Welcome, everyone, to another beautiful episode of Under the Blanket. And as always, we are under Miraji's blanket in his heart, where we see the cosmic oneness. Today's episode, uh, we're going to deal with the topic of sex, sexuality, and spiritual awakening. You know, and I know for many this is a sensitive issue, but it's an important one. I mean, uh, Be Here Now starts off from Bindu to Ojas in the brown section. Bindu actually means sexual primal energy, and Ojas means purified energy. Um, So I want to start with, you know, a lot of people, they don't realize it, but whether they're, you know, they're not, they say they're not into spiritual awakening at all. But they really like that moment of orgasm. And that's because for most people, at the moment of orgasm, there's like a second half a second around that time where they transcend space and time and they enter complete presence, cosmic unity for a brief time. You know, so, uh, you know, and then they're like, they associate that with the sexual experience when it's actually a place within. You know, and that's interesting. Uh, it's a very uh, tricky issue. It's got a lot of attachments uh, for a lot of people and so on. So I have with me a guest host, Ryan. Ryan, could you tell us a little bit about your thoughts about uh, this issue and spiritual awakening? Yeah, definitely. Hello. And again, thanks for having me. Um, yeah, sexual energy is, uh, you know, it's an interesting one. Um, partly because it can be so addictive. Uh, I don't know, maybe males maybe have it a little bit more as an addiction than females, I don't know, uh, speaking as a male. But, you know, it's it's something that's also like, I mean, it's part of nature, right? If, if we didn't have this desire uh, for sexual experience, uh, we wouldn't procreate. Uh, you know, we, uh, probably the, the species would go extinct, you know, if, if sex wasn't pleasurable um, in some ways. So I think that's kind of maybe perhaps where it started from with like this, the why, you know, question of like, why did we have to have such a pleasurable experience in order to create, in order to reproduce uh, our, our, our uh, species? Um, but, you know, the, the thing too is while it's very pleasurable um, when it's done in a healthy sort of manner, and, you you know, there's a quite a range. I mean, you could certainly debate what healthy is, but that, you know, when sexual energy is out of balance, it's very destructive. Um, it creates mass amounts of drama for humans, whether in relationships or, you know, even darker things like... Uh, forcing you know forcing themselves on other people sexually and not you know obeying the golden rule of, of uh, and the free will uh, creates mass amounts of suffering um, and you could source that back to sexual energy you know and individuals that have this strong desire for that that little tiny moment of bliss uh at the sake of other people's experience is uh, it's kind of a dark side of humanity and it's something i think it does need to be talked about quite you know a lot more uh how can we find a healthy balance and where is the line 
you know, of, of it becoming unconscious or becoming inappropriate or unhealthy. Because sex in general is not unhealthy. It just has to be somewhat balanced. Yeah, um, I agree with all that. And I wouldn't, I can't talk about this issue without getting into the chakra. So I'll go over that pretty quick. Uh, the first chakra is survival. And that is, you know, life and death, eating food to live, you know, you know, like uh, the issue of like, if you're driving a car and you grow off a cliff and you're about to die, that would be a first chakra issue. Now, the second chakra is sexuality. And also the section, second chakra deals with sensory pleasures and that sort of thing, like a warm bath or a nice meal uh, that tastes that uh, inflames the taste buds like Indian food is kind of as very spicy. Um, third chakra is power, like status, ego uh, issues where like, you know, the separate self in there and dominance and our submissiveness, all those different issues. And uh, most people, I'd say, are uh, almost all in these three chakras. But I'd say especially in America, in the West, in America, uh, the second chakra is the dominant one uh, for most people. Um, but maybe that's not true. If you look at the corporate America, the third chakra would be. But anyway, so, um, you know, that's just uh, going to manifest into uh, if it's not if that energy is not dealt with and those desires and attachments and aversions, it might lead to assault and things like that uh, Our unhealthy sexual habits, our sexual addictions. And it's interesting that uh, the, as you go up the chakras to the fourth chakra, you get to that sense of compassion and heart where you you do practice the golden rule. If you practice the golden rule from the lower chakras, it's done in an ego way. It's not the true sense of compassion it's fake uh anyway so uh you know those are there's it goes up to seven chakras and i won't i'll leave it at that but you know i have well experienced in the practice of tantra yoga i had uh, a partner a few well you know like three or four partners that went into this and uh it's just incredible. It's a, it, you, you learn to make the whole body an erogenous zone. So it's not all about just the genital region. And you learn to use that energy where, to me, lust is where you take the person and they're an object for your own gratification. And uh, when you work with Tantra, you use that energy, but you work it up the spine through these various techniques, including mindfulness being in the moment breathing techniques, mantras, you know, making it sacred, a candle, a, you know, making an appointment to do it, not so spontaneous, although it can be spontaneous at times. Uh, and then when you learn to uh, get good at this, uh, the energy moves up and the orgasm starts to be above the head and it starts to be, the whole act becomes orgasmic and the actual physical orgasm ceases to be of paramount importance and it, it, that whole idea of making love is really what it comes down to. It becomes, the you know, two souls expressing love physically. And that's what it really comes down to when Tantra is practiced well. And the idea is to not be as attached to sex. Now, it may sound like, well, why would I practice sacred sex to not be attached to it? But, you know, it is a method. It does work for some people. So, like, what would you say to someone that is a... Uh, maybe interested in um, 
either say Brahmakari celibate or uh, you know, or, or they're thinking maybe tantra, or should I just have it the regular way, or you know? And they're like, Ryan, you're a spiritual teacher. What's your thoughts on what should I do about this energy? Yeah, it's an interesting question because, like, as far as being spiritual goes, a lot of people do have this concept of like, you know, being a disciplined monk requires celibacy, you know, meaning no sex, no feeding of any sort of lustful energy. Um, I, I'm kind of in between, you know. It's like I don't worship sex, but I don't get rid of it either. You know, I do enjoy it. I, I enjoy it in a healthy manner. Um, it's. I think if it's something that's always on your mind, you need to perhaps, if, like as males especially, it tends to be something that's, in my past, it was certainly like almost always on my mind in some way. And so, you know, I had to be real about that and like acknowledge there was a bit of an addiction there. And, and from there, you know, I, I did take a break for a while for the sake of like refreshing, kind of like if you needed to unplug uh, technology, if you're on technology too much or whatever. Um, just to kind of reset, but not permanently, like not for life. Once you get your reset, then, you know, perhaps you can dive back into the, to it with a different perspective and a bit more of a controlled way rather than like reactive and, uh, addictive sort of quality. And, um, so, I mean, I'm all about, you know, the spiritual practice in general, I'm all about balance. You know, how can we find balance in everything? I mean, there are some things not meant to be balanced. Uh, you know, heroin is not something to be balanced, but, but there are other things, you know, like eating, eating treats, right? Like eating candy and sugar. I mean, it's not good for you, but if it's in moderation and you know, it's, you're being wise about it, then enjoy it a little bit. And the same applies for all these different desires, whether it's, you know, sex or just different types of pleasure, music, you know, these things. Like, I'm not about trying to just make these rigid rules. It's sort of like write your own rules and learn from them. And if you find you go out of balance in one of them, then perhaps take a break from it, uh, you know, to keep yourself in check. Uh, but I'm not necessarily an advocate of, like, getting rid of it completely. Unless unless you know for yourself that it's a really out of balance addiction. In that case, yeah, maybe taking a nice long break would be wise but you just got to know yourself on that matter something else too just to throw in here is in you know if you find if you're being honest with yourself and you find one of your primary um motivators for high for finding relationships is the sexual side of it then you know reconsider things a little bit like slow down a little bit because there's so much more value to a relationship than just sex I mean, it's a, it's a great experience. Don't get me wrong, but if the whole the whole relationship is based on sex, it's it's not going to last, and it's not going to be really fulfilling, spiritually speaking, because it's not balanced. You know, you got to like enjoy each other's company. You got to appreciate each other's spiritual place, or you know, those other levels. Don't you know? I think sometimes in our culture, especially, it's, and again with the males, it's just like it, it seems so heavily dominant on the sexual side. And you're losing so much more of the value of, of, of experience of love that goes way deeper than an orgasm. I mean, this is, you know, it's great and all, but it's temporary and it's never ending. You know, that the if all you're seeking is that sexual pleasure, it's like a bottomless pit. You never get enough, you know, and you can you can even like get the valid. You can be, have that verified by like porn stars who have sex all the time and they'll tell you. 
it gets old after a while. <laughs> Yet the the kids who are like addicted to porn are like in fantasy world of thinking, oh, that would be so good. But the truth is, it's just like the billionaires. The truth is, if you have a bunch of money or you have a bunch of sex, it's never enough, you know. And and that's why like approaching a spiritual practice and finding a genuine balance of all things is where you find ultimate satisfaction. And I've got to interject being... there because uh, oh, yeah. uh, something it. came up really important. Um, when you said about the, the teenager fantasy thing, like, you know, these teenagers fantasize, oh, I could get all these beautiful women, these beautiful supermodels or porn stars or whatever it is. My uncle actually lived that life. He was a Calvin Klein model in the 80s. And he started, you know, sleeping with women like Elle McPherson and uh, Andy McDowell. And, and you know, you know, you tell that to a 15-year-old boy, you know, they're probably like, whoa, he's probably so happy. <laughs> but, you know, it was great while he was doing it, sort of. You know, he would be like, ow, hours and hours with his supermodel. After it was over, he felt an emptiness. He felt an incredible yeah. emptiness, an incredible shallowness to it. And he was even depressed to the point of suicide because of these issues. He wrote a book about it, so I'm not blowing up his scene. You know, he was very nice. open about it in his book. And it just goes to show that fantasy is not true. It isn't fulfilling. It might be fulfilling for brief periods, but it's not balanced. Getting all these beautiful women are a woman getting beautiful men are getting or lesbians or gay, whatever it is you know, our trans, it's all that getting all that desires fed of everything you ever want doesn't, doesn't satisfy. And, uh, you know, that's why, you know, you, it's interesting to look into things like possible celibacy or finding a balance or tantra sort of going through it, that sort of thing. And like you were saying, you know, there's so much more, it's just one of the layers of life. It's the second chakra. It's not all seven chakras. But if you're in the second chakra, mostly, that wouldn't compute. What we just said would not compute. Everything's about sexuality to a second <laughs> chakra person. Like Freud is a perfect example of someone totally in their second chakra. But I do want to tell a little story to uh, break this up. One, my most powerful tantric experience was with my uh, former uh, lover. And uh, I don't know, we were just, I w had practiced tantra before. But she and she hadn't really done it, but she was just a natural. And we got into a really amazing state of consciousness with loving, you know, a high Shakti energy sort of up the spine. And what happened is we went out of our bodies. We had like, you know, like people describe taking DMT as psychedelic. It was just on that level because we went out of our body. We left the physical plane, the earth, the universe. We actually went to this plane that, you know, is almost impossible to describe. But I, I uh, studied it later in Hinduism. They call it the, lo the Deva Loka. It's the, or, uh, we, used, we called it the Deva, the angel plane. And uh, all we could, you know, we spent like thousands of years there. It's hard to, I know people aren't going to accept this, but we did. <laughs> and then we went rushing back into our bodies. And it felt like that feeling when you wake up from a very long dream. And you're like, whoa, did that just happen? Oh, yes, it did. But whoa, you know, what was that? You know, and we just stopped having sex immediately because we were right in the middle of having sex when this happened. We stopped and we just sat and we were just like talking about our experience. We came up with the word angel planes and that sort of thing. And we just we could only describe like we were light beings and there was dancing 
And later we discovered we had past lives together and all kinds of stuff through our tantric experiences, many more experiences after that. But, you know, eventually you can't build a relationship solely on that. And our relationship, kind of the glue was our tantric practice. And eventually, you know, that led to us not being together and just being friends right now, because like you said, you can't build it all around that. And eventually, you know, one, you know, there, there, there can form possession and attachment on both sides mm. on that sort of thing. But we did work through that tantric. It worked for me. I feel not as attached to her as I ever been. And I, I'm starting to see through sexuality more and more. The hype of it in our culture is unbelievable. And I'm yeah, seeing like, it's everywhere. why isn't eating ice cream cone just as amazing or hugging a tree <laughs> or going for a walk or drinking a cup of tea or, you know, taking your bare feet and putting in the dirt, you know, it's like there's so well, many beautiful experiences in this human realm. Yeah. And, and that brings up a really good point, too, about how much sexuality is just conditioning, too. I mean, the fact that guys get so turned on when they see a woman's nipple, it's just a nipple, you know, like. Guys see each other's nipples, and there's not any sort of, you know, thing in our brain that goes off. But you see a woman's, and oh my god, you know, it just proves the conditioning. Because if you're hidden from something for so long, there's this like, all of a sudden there's a desire to see. But if like everyone was walking around naked, the whole concept of like, of sexuality would dissolve so much because we would realize like it's not that. I mean, it's great and all to have sex, but it's not nearly as big of a deal as our as our current world makes it into uh, with movies and advertisement. I mean, Instagram, there are how many actors and actresses making tons of money just because they're putting images of their bodies out there, you know? And it's like, that's all just conditioning. It's all because we are agreeing that if you show more of your human skin, that it's, it's more attractive or something. And it's really like, it's all big mind game. It is absolutely a, a very cultural <laughs> engineering is what I say. But it does come from our distant past. If you look at Western culture, we have uh, two uh, sides. We have this puritanical European, you know, travelers that came and killed all the Native Americans. They were very against all kinds of sexuality stemming from the Catholic Church, where uh, sexuality was seen as only good during procreation. So that sort of suppression of the sexual energy and that sort of like it's bad sense of bad, very contributed to American culture. Also, you know, this like, you know, underground sort of like sexual things are the best was always running through America as well. You know, so in Europe, because there was like, you know, all kinds of that side to it. And that sort of combined to make this weird mix of Sex is bad, but it's the most important thing, and we got to sell it. Yeah, everything to sell right. it, but it's or, bad and it's horrible. Or sex is bad, but then we have like a multi-billion-dollar porn industry happening in behind the scenes because everyone who's saying it's bad has this secret habit of you know of of self-pleasure, and you know it's it's silly because it's just like it's not this big of a deal. We don't need to like be ashamed of it, nor we don't need to hide it, but like. I think there's even this psychological thing we have where we get high doing something that we think we're not supposed to be doing. You know? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I want to address that because, you know, I, you know, I believe in the freedom of the pornography industry as long as it's over 18 and uh, they're consensual and all that. And they should let all that loose. It, it's mostly 
uh, you know, has lust, energy involved. But, you know, like I said in Tantra, you could do Tantra with a partner. It's more hard to do a Tantra with, by yourself, but it is possible. And I wrote up this, you know, meditation for heterosexual men that where you do this like 10 minute B meditation before you're going to do it. So before you're going to do, you know, do the masturbation to guys tend to be image oriented with masturbation. So before you put that on, you know, you're going to do it today. So you're like, OK, before I do that, on, I'm going to sit for 10 minutes and focus on my breath or do a just be meditation by Ramdas, whatever it is. And then sort of cool yourself out. Then be like, do I still want to do it? You know, I believe Eckhart Tolle said something like that. But if you still want to do it, that's OK. Do it. But, you know, try to watch something that's more positive, you know, in, in the imagery department. If you can, you know, I know fetishes are a big thing. So, you know, just try, <laughs> you know, and then slow it down. Breathe into it. Try to let go of the guilt and shame. Mm. Try to let go of the lust. Try to see it not as women or men on, or on the screen as objects, but see them as souls. Work with that energy. And what I do, because I, I do do that, I do watch that, you know, in moderation. And what I do is I do a mantra, om at the base of the spine. And when the energy goes up to the top of my crown, I do ah. And, I, and it's very powerful. And I always think of Kali, that Kali is like the goddess. And Kali is like all form. So I, I say, this is my impurity. I'm going to offer it to you, ma as a practice here you go here it is ma eat it and i practice letting go of it and not like, like i'm doing this as a practice 20 times a day no but it is helpful in my case now do most people masturbate like that no so i think it would be great if that got uh, into vogue because they're already going to do it anyway they might as well here there's a there's a way to do it differently where you don't have the guilt shame addiction issues as much mm. yeah it is funny how that that guilt type of thing can sneak in for sure as well like this feeling like of embarrassment or we need to hide it or whatever because it's it's just not it's just nature i mean to some degree you know you watch dogs right they, they just don't hump anything you know when they get into that mood. <laughs> it's, it's true it's not a huge deal they're just you know they're animals and the reality is like we're kind of animals too we have a bit more of a power and responsibility because of our intelligence. But, uh, you know, I, I think when you try to repress something like the churches did, they tried to repress sexuality. It actually got stronger behind the scenes. So it's not about repressing it. It's just about like allowing it without judgment, but also following some guidelines, some healthy guidelines. Like if you're going to look at porn, you know, just be mindful that that the women in the porn are being treated well because there's a lot of porn out there where they're not treated well. Yes, and yes, that, that we gotta call ourselves out earlier. for that. Yeah, you the, know, you know, there's we all gotta, different kinds. There's all there's yeah. all different kinds of porn, and it's better to do the ones where it's you know it's consensual. It's uh you know positive imagery. There's a lot of stuff going around with really like hate filled like slap choke weird beat it, beat oh, yeah it, i know and i'm not I've knocking seen, that stuff i've if you're run into, into that it. and been like what the hell is this i, I can't right. get i'm not not violent. i'm not putting down these people i'm not shaming them i'm just saying like try something different once in a while say someone out there is listening they're like oh no i feel really bad i like to watch that kind of stuff no don't feel bad you know try yeah to do i'm it not last. judging try either to work i just with don't the get energy. it sorry what were you saying 
Oh, I'm saying, yeah, I don't judge anyone's, you know, preferences or anything. But at the same time, I personally just don't get it. Like, it just seems so unappealing to see somebody else getting hurt. But, uh, yeah, I don't know. And, like, that's where we have to just be, like, I mean, I wish if everybody really did this check on their, on that, it, we could get rid of a lot of the intense suffering in our world because that imbalance of sexual energy creates immense suffering for a lot of uh, women and children specifically, and men too, but more so the the ones who are who are actually the victims of sexual assault. I mean, that's actually a really big problem in our world right now that we need to like call out and say, "Hey guys, you know, we need to take responsibility for this in any way we can." And something that I I realized too is like even porn that I watch is adding to the collective energy in some way. So I need to be very mindful of the quality of it. And and I, as for me personally right now, I'm actually choosing to take a break for a while uh, because it was, you know, it was kind of going into addictive quality. So I've, I'm working on just putting it down for a while. But, I mean, I have a partner, so I still have sex, but just the, the porn thing. And... But I think it's something like we shouldn't be embarrassed about and we need to look out because having spiritual life is about being balanced in all areas and not being afraid to look at all areas. You know, like people are like, oh, I'm spiritual, but I'm not going to talk about sex. I don't know. That's a that's a you're not supposed to talk about that in public or on a podcast. But like it just is, <laughs> you know, like, yeah. it's just, it is. And if we're going to pretend like it's not there, then we're hiding from a shadow and let's just be real about it and talk about it. Yeah, and like I remember this movie I saw uh, as a teenager. It was called The People vs. Larry Flint. Now, Larry Flint is, you know, not a very lustful, arrogant, egotistical, <laughs> you know, kind of guy. But he, there was one period of his life where he was starting to try to redeem that industry by addressing the hypocrisies of it and trying to show the beauty of it and trying to address the hypocrisies of the society and what he did he said look we live in a world where war is worshipped and these people that go to other countries and kill brown people you know they literally kill brown people they rape they pillage for no good reason i'm sorry but i don't believe in yes. war Dark and he was making a point that we worship these warriors you know we don't give them health care but we worship them in theory you know, that's great. Oh, they're great. That's wonderful. Go out to war. Fight for America. But meanwhile, oh, sexuality. That's that's worse. You know, that's you know, don't like talk, talk to kids about that. Tell them that's all horrible. Don't have sex education. Don't talk about condoms and birth control. That's all bad. You should wait till you get married and homosexuality, bisexual. That's horrible. You know, and that energy of yay, war, yay, violence. No sex, very bad, is like just thick in our culture. Hmm. Interesting point. Yeah, and in the meantime, too, I mean, the amount of suffering that's created for a child that's molested is is it, it changes the entire course of their life. And it's like, how can you, how can people sit there and pretend like sex, you know, is is uh, bad and all this stuff, but then behind the scenes they're like hurting they're scarring children for their entire lives. There's like, so much hypocrisy. What the hell is like, this? You know, the Catholic priest, right? Yeah, perfect. Yeah, it's a perfect example, right? I mean, they're they're posing themselves as like men of God, and yet they're destroying the psyche of children. Like, what? 
How can those two coexist in the slightest of ways? I want to end on this note, which is going to upset some people, but I want to say, Mirage, you know, Ram Dass used to complain about all these horrors in the world, and Miraji would say, Ram Dass, don't you know it's all perfect? And, you know, that's, that's one of the most difficult things to realize, because you've got to pull back far. You've got to pull yeah. back beyond the high, universe high and see it all as God in drag. And that's really hard, but there is a level of where you could see it all has a place. Yeah, and we're reaching the end of the true. show, so a few <laughs> more lines you got. Yeah, that is, of course, a miracle says nothing real can be threatened, nothing unreal exists. Like, so as far as that perspective goes, even children that experience the deepest levels of hell, at the end of the day, the who they really are, their deepest being, um, is is so powerful and tremendous that no human experience can actually destroy it. But, you know, when we're looking at it from a human perspective, it looks like horror. But at the deepest level, everyone is okay. Yes, everything. It's all an illusion. All that, uh, all the The duality and illusion, it's all one being. So uh, this has been Under the Blanket with your host, Baba Here, love. We've dealt with the heavy issues on this one and light issues and all kinds of things around the biggest taboo topic in our culture. And I want to thank you all for listening. And uh, thank you, Ryan, for being my guest host. Ram, ram. Ram, ram. Bye-bye, everyone. Keep listening.